Welcome to the Vulnerability Rocks podcast. You're listening to Emma Bell, and I believe that true healing starts with sharing. Thank you for coming on to this episode of the Vulnerability Rocks podcast. No worries, Em. I'd like to introduce to you Sarah. So Sarah is a friend of mine from Brighton back in the UK and I've been watching her story on social media over the last few weeks since the announcement of the coronavirus and what I've seen in your story I think is an amazing example to set to people and I'd just like to share a little bit about that with um, the people that are following this podcast and also a little bit about you and get to know you a bit better. Can I start by asking you just to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a little bit about you and where you're from and where you're at, what you're about. Okay, all right. Hi everyone, my name's Sarah and I'm cabin crew for Virgin Atlantic and have been for like nearly 14 years now um yeah obviously I live in Brighton um, M's hometown um I'm also a personal trainer um which I do like part-time when I'm not flying or was doing before this happened so obviously both my industries were hit quite you know badly I've been furloughed for two months at the minute with Virgin and obviously I'm unable to, you know, PT clients and stuff. So, so yeah, so it's just, yeah, and I was in two industries that, you know, got affected quite badly with yeah. it all. And how old are you? And you, you born in Brighton? Have you always come from Brighton? Yeah, born and bred Brightonian and I'm 36. She looks like 21. Yeah. Those are the things <laughs> not, not look dead in her late thirties. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to talk to you a little bit about let's talk about what's going on right now, which is obviously this worldwide pandemic which has brought every economy to you know quite a uh, destabilizing place and has disrupted every single person, no matter where you're from, what your background is, how much money you've got in the bank what your weight is, how tall you are, doesn't matter who you are, this has affected every yeah. person. Um, yeah. And you, in your job with Virgin, would have been one of the first people to kind of see some of the real reality of this. Because I know that you did a rescue flight, didn't you, to bring some people back because yeah. people were stranded. So tell me about that. Um, so basically, I was on standby, and this was, this was actually the last flight that I did before being uh, furloughed. Um, so I got called out for a Barbados. As soon as we got to Barbados, um, we were told by the hotel we couldn't leave our rooms. Um, this was just before the lockdown obviously happened in England. Um, so we were like quarantined in our rooms pretty much. It was like room service only. Luckily, I take my own food, so I was sorted anyway. But um, yeah, so leaving Barbados, or I think it was... The next day, we were informed that we were going via Jamaica to pick more people up that were stranded in Jamaica. Um, so it added like an extra like four or five hours onto the whole journey. Like Barbados, you know, should have been literally just, you know, coming back sort of seven hours, seven and a half hours. So obviously we did, I think it was like three hours to Jamaica, three or four hours, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, and obviously picked people up. Um, yeah, and brought brought a whole plane full of people back, and like everyone like sort of clapped when we landed, and um, yeah, it was quite, it was you know, I think people were like, really appreciative of it, you know, for us going sort of out of our way to sort of go and pick people up. 
Yeah, um, I know of um, a couple that were not stranded in Barbados, but on the day they were supposed to fly home because of this and all of the airways just being closed and all of that beyond everybody's control, they weren't able to come back on the day they were supposed to come back. So there was a lot of real fear around, am I going to get back, you know? So I, yeah. I can only imagine that people were really, really happy to see you guys show up. <laughs> And, uh, you know so what were the what were the passengers like because i i know of a couple that was really you you probably flew them home actually <laughs> and everyone was actually really like nice and like i said everyone was like you know quite pre- appreciative appreciative it's not the right word um you know that we we did that um and yeah everyone i think was just happy to be going home and i know that you know obviously since i've been furnished all my friends have done like rescue flights to places um, obviously they've implemented a lot more stuff into this, you know, it's not a case of you getting a full Virgin like service, which, you know, obviously we're very, we're renowned for having like, you know, obviously very good services on board. It's literally like we're getting you from A to B. Um, there's like, you know, I think it was like they get given like a box with like some snacks and water. And so it doesn't matter what cabin that they were in. Cause obviously you don't, you don't want to be leaning over people, handing them food and, you know, um coming into contact with with them it was literally like just trying to get people home it doesn't matter if you're sitting in upper class or in economy everyone kind of had the same you know serve service mm-hmm. um so to speak just 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 because it is just a rescue flight it's not about you know the whole virgin experience it was just to get people home well everybody it, it turns into not a service-led journey it turns into a safety journey really and yeah it's probably yeah, a rescue flight because you've got to now you can't actually be close to these people it's not like you're rescuing them from right. a bad place and taking them to a good place everywhere at the moment has a risk yeah. even yeah. inside the plane right so yeah totally. totally changes yeah so yeah you know a few people must have had some really weird flights you know <laughs> not not yeah. the norm yeah i think so and like i said obviously i've not i've not flown since then so that was like you know quite a before the lockdown happened, it was quite a good few weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just literally a case of just getting people from A to B at the moment. Mm. Um, and I know that when you made that flight, um, the timing of that, Corona was, it, it, the risks of it were very well known in the UK at that time. And yeah. How did you, obviously I understand that you love your job and you wanted to go and help bring people back and it's part of your job and it's just what you do. But, how did you feel because potentially you don't know like there's risk for you yeah how did you um yeah I mean I I kind of had this sort of mentality that you know someone's got to do it and it's you know um I like to think I'm pretty in good shape and all the rest of it and you know I just obviously I was being precautious I was trying you know not getting too close to me I was wearing gloves etc that kind of thing um but yeah, I mean, there was, there was a part of me that was probably a little bit like, oh, but I just, I don't know, it wasn't like I was stressing out about it. I just kind of got on with it and got it done. Yeah. It wasn't ideal, you know, it's not ideal to pick it, but you know, it's, someone's got to do it and yeah, just it just feel, feel, felt good just being able to help. That's the main thing, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I know sort of that couple that I knew, I know that yeah. they were 
very worried about getting home for about three days and then they you know they said that a virgin yeah. could get them and afterwards oh, they said wow. they'd gone from there to Jamaica and obviously they were really great oh, that would, they would have been on my flight then yeah, yeah. that would have been one like, yeah they would have been really grateful and they were like you know just yeah. so fast to be home really long journey so yeah to be home yeah and I know that my um one of my cousins he was stranded in Bali for weeks him and his girlfriend um and then he got they got obviously they only went for like a couple of weeks or something but they ended up being out there for an extra few weeks because they couldn't get home even luckily they managed to get home now but I know that you know my family were like really worried my auntie and uncle were like how are they going to get home oh, just cancelling flights left right and centre so I know it's just it's if you know everywhere around the world I think there's still people stranded do you know what I mean it's yeah yeah they definitely are yeah so you come back so you've been furloughed so tell me obviously I have a few friends in uh, aviation and your lives were sort of the first lives really to get turned totally upside down because of the air restrictions in place um yeah so tell me you know how did you feel when you received that news that you had to be furloughed for however however long or well initially before the furlough came into place we were um all asked obviously our union did it on our behalf to um take two months unpaid um just to save job losses obviously to sort of you know every everyone in the company taking two months unpaid um, and you know, at first I was like, I did have a bit of a meltdown because I was like, oh my god, I was like, how am I going to afford to pay my rent? And I just pan, I went into panic mode. Um, and then obviously I looked into like tax credits and all that kind of thing, and I just thought, right, I need to get myself a job. And oh, things have worked out really okay now, but I think that initial reaction was like, oh my god, like it was just massive panic. Um, and then obviously, yeah, since then, it's good. Um, so yeah, so the panic was kind of over. <laughs> I had like a little meltdown, and then then it, then it was sort of you know I sort of got into a plan of action with what, what I was going to do to sort of overcome it. Really, at that time, though, you didn't have, well, nobody did. Nobody had any idea about furlough or that it no. was coming. No, so no. It was quite an overwhelming space to be in in that moment. Yeah, definitely. Because I was, you know, obviously, like you know, I, I. I live in a house share, but obviously I, you know, I pay rent, I pay bills. So I, yeah, I just did, I just automatically just panicked. I just thought, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but obviously things have worked out better than, you know, a lot better than I thought they were going to be. So that's, that's um, a positive. It is. And then your next move, which is the bit that I just adore and I messaged you about it. I just yeah. think in moments of crisis, like people can go into real panic and people, um, there's different modes in life that we can be in. We can either be the fixer, we can be the victim, or we can be the aggressor. There's three roles that we as human beings circulate through our, in our lives from anyone yeah. one to another, right? So in that crisis moment, it makes sense to me that you've got a lot of people go into that bit of like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Da, 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 da. Yeah. But you very quickly moved out of that place. And this is the bit that I absolutely love yeah. because at that moment in the UK, shopping was a nightmare. So <laughs> there was no toilet rolls. There was no <laughs> washing up liquid, like Dettol had cleared off the shelves. Like mental, yeah. Absolutely mental. I mean, you know, as if people, as if there's not warehouses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's just <laughs> on the shelves. So let's freak out. But anyway, that aside, 
you very quickly moved into a completely different mode. And this is the bit that I absolutely love because um, tell me what you went and did next because I just think it's wonderful. Well, I went and got a job, mos- got myself a job at Asda. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Stuck, no. in, stuck in shelves, which was like, yeah, sort of I just... I just wanted any, you know, I was looking for kind of anything, preferably something physical because both my, you know, both my jobs are quite physical jobs. I'm not the sort of person that could sit down all day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I landed myself a role at um, a local Asda branch. I just think it's amazing. Now. Yeah, I think it's amazing. And for so many reasons, one, because you showed your resilience in a, in being able to move out of that victim space. Not that I'm saying, yeah. but that like, oh my God, panic, what am I going to do yeah. space? Yeah. Very practical, pragmatic space to, you know, a, a resilient move. But also what you did, I think, is you represent something that not, I don't see it in loads of people. So quite often people won't t- turn their hand to anything, do you know? It's so yeah. versatile. And I just think it's a wonderful way to be because it's that's the sort of stuff that gets people through difficult times. So rather yeah. than down and just bowing down and taking whatever comes your way, if you can adapt and be versatile, it's a wonderful skill to have in life. I think. Yeah. And totally. I, and I think what you did as someone who is on social media and does influence people. I think you set an amazing example, especially to, to younger people as well. So, okay, yeah, my career that I absolutely love, like, I don't know what's going to happen with it next, right? And at that point, you didn't know about furlough, you didn't know what was coming. Right. But that doesn't mean that we sit down and just take it, right? We stand up and we get on. And I just think it's, it's wonderfully British. And I think it's just a great example to set to people. Oh, that's really, that's lovely. That's like... Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, for me, it was just like, you know, the whole thing, you know, like, obviously, I'm not, there's nothing wrong at all with working in supermarkets, because I'm working in one, but, you know, the whole, like, ego thing, like, oh, working in a super, you know, I didn't think that I would ever get a job in a super, I thought my career would be flying or PT in, but I just, it, it, you know, it didn't faze me, I mean, I've had people saying to me, good on you, I couldn't go and work in a supermarket, and I'm like, but that's your ego saying that, like, at the end of the day, being in that supermarket is helping the nation it's helping your community by you know obviously feeding the nation so to speak and for me it gets me out of the house I get to move about I get to talk to people um and I just have no problem with whatsoever putting on my little Asda yeah. um you know when I go to work and stuff and hang out with the Asda crew like it's I just you know never thought I would do something like that but for me it's just you know it was it was no question about it I was just on it and this is what I love. And so it's interesting that you say people come to you with the feedback of, oh, good for you. I could never do that. It always intrigues me as to why someone could arrive at the conclusion that they could never do that. It's the, I think it's the ego. I think for this particular person it was anyway. Yeah. And also maybe it, it comes, everybody's upbringing is so different. So there's a lot put on us um, in terms of if you do this, you're successful. If you do this, that's not success or whatever it is. Right. So I've been brought up by, you know, my parents that as long as you're grafting, you're good. Yeah. 
100 yeah. that's the way i've been brought up as well as long as you're grafting you're all good and yeah. that's that's basically it i've also been brought up by my mother who teaches me you can do anything and be anything you want to be you know which yeah. crusading around at 10 years i'll tell everyone i'm going to be an astronaut with no real plan i mean you know <laughs> it's a dream but yeah. <laughs> but it's you know fundamentally you're not above cleaning the toilet you're not above cleaning floors you're not and that and i have had that drilled into me and i just think it gives um it, it takes away any shame that we may carry when we're presented with a situation like this where you do have to shift gears do something different you know and guess what it's for the greater good anyway because all of a sudden everyone needs more food delivered to their house and everyone that's where yeah. it's needed right um, yeah. so I, I always wonder it is ego but then where does that come from do you know yeah. that, that intrigues me greatly because yeah it, sometimes we have things drilled into us that if we were to go down a certain path that would be not okay or okay yeah. totally yeah. but you know i think also like you know there was like loads of things that i was looking into like care work and stuff like that and this job just came up you know was like sort of one of the first ones but i wanted to do something that is beneficial to um to helping in a, you know, in a weird way like sucking showers is helping but it is you know in, in a way yeah no, um, it is. And, it, and it's funny because i've been sort of watching your stories and in my mind it's like you are doing this, you're delivering the same service and you're delivering the same objective you've just yeah. does that make sense like you're still yeah. helping people and you're still helping people in areas that are in like a bit yeah. of crisis right now yeah and, um, the uniform's different but the sentiment and the intention is the same yeah, yeah definitely and it's just like pulling you know from one trolley to another like when, I'm, when I'm pulling the trolleys out walking backwards down the aisles it's you know yeah. same kind of thing just to you know on the ground <laughs> oh, I love it I love it obviously not as sunny but you know yeah. that will come back to you <laughs> hopefully you'll get all the best trips when you're back online oh, I, think it's I know. yeah I love that so furloughs yeah. come, which is good. Um, but what I, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is I know that you're obviously a qualified personal trainer and really into your fitness. And yeah. tell me about that in the UK during isolation. Like, what's your... I know you've, you've competed in shows before. So I'd like to, if it's all right, touch on that with you a little bit. And also yeah. touch on that in regards to emotional and mental health well-being yeah so competing in one area and just general fitness in another because i watched your journey when you were doing your competing and i take my hat off to you i you know like in the same way people say well done for you going to work and do that i couldn't do it i couldn't do what you did because it just yeah. like wow what a level of commitment to do that yeah. um but I'm really intrigued to know when you were going through that process, there's obviously in my mind, I'm presuming there's a big difference between training to compete and training to be fit, strong, healthy, and well sound of mind. Yeah. Talk me through that whole competing thing and your emotional and mental sort of well-being during that process. Okay, so with the with the competition, it's obviously like you're taking it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah it's it's a it's very mentally challenging um a lot of um people will tell you that it's a very lonely sport it's very um you just you change as a person so you know anyone with really you know severe mental health problems i would never advise them to do something like that because i think it can literally could probably you know it's just yeah i just personally wouldn't um i think anyone with like any kind of like severe eating disorders anything like that i don't think it's good for you know it's it's i absolutely love the process um it was an amazing process you learn a lot about yourself as a person um, but yeah, it's not for the faint hearted. And I had my days, you probably saw my stories. So I used to vlog a lot of it. My days where I just, you know, would struggle. It would just be like, it was just like almost like Groundhog Day every day. I'd get up, you know, go and do cardio, plan when I'm going to eat my food, like this and that. And I segregated myself away from all my friends and family. I couldn't socialize. I didn't want to socialize. I didn't want to be around people. People started to irritate irritate me the smallest little things because I was just hungry my body was like obviously you know pretty much in that starvation mode towards the end and you know just just talking to someone I'd be irritated by them but it's not them it's it was me like the way you know what I was sort of doing to my, my brain and my body and stuff so yeah I completely definitely changed as a person during the last several weeks I wasn't you know even my best mate um looked at me and she goes you've lost your spark in your your sparkle in your eye in your eyes um but yeah, but you know, I mean, I absolutely, every single bit of what I went through was worth it for the day. Yeah. So the day was like, I've never been married. I've never had a baby. So I've never experienced that pure relation apart from that day, having my friends and family there and everyone I've worked hard for and stepping on stage and I absolutely loved it. And I a hundred percent would do it again. Um, it just had to be the right time. You know, if I found it difficult with flying, it's not flying and, bodybuilding doesn't go hand in hand together because you're all over the place you're you know I did have the last like four weeks off of my prep flying I booked leave and stuff so um but yeah up until then I just you know the, I think the last few flights I did I literally was just yeah hating life yeah. I was staying awake all night with, like no food and being around food and being around people I was just like oh so I will do another one one day definitely especially because I've been working on my weaker areas since of my off season since um the competition i've been building up muscle and areas and stuff i've actually just started a cut in the last few days i'm doing like a small cut at the moment with um my coach jake um just because i just wanted to just do maybe like six or eight weeks probably just to kind of tone up a bit ready for summer when this lockdown's over and just sort of see where i'm at physically and um, it'll be nothing to the extremes that i went to before do you know what i mean it, it won't be to that level it'll just be like a and did yeah. competing change your outlook or change your kind of perspective on how you train others as a PT? Like, did it change it in terms of helping your clients with their with what's motivating them? Or because a lot of people who are new to this, they'll go online, they'll look at loads of pictures of people with certain physiques who have been competing as a professional bodybuilder for years and years and years and have this kind of idea that you know with maybe a few months work they could end up looking like this or whatever right <laughs> unfortunately social media does that to people but it's not the reality so um you know did did competing yourself shift sort of how you felt about training other people and expectations um not necessarily no because a lot of my clients are just general just normal 
you know, mums or, you know, people that just want to just like tone up, lose, like learn how to use stuff in the gym. Like I would never be at that level to sort of prep someone myself, like, do you know what I mean? Into, into a show. And um, if that, if that's kind of what you mean. Um, but, you know, obviously gaining the knowledge that you, you, I've gained through doing that is definitely going to be beneficial. You know, if I'm, if I'm helping someone with like their nutrition plan and things like that. So, um, and if people, well, I suppose what I mean by that is, um, does it help you to, or maybe you have that already, just people's expectations of what they can do for themselves when they're coming to you, you know, um, and being able to kind of guide them that, you know, that's, this is one day that took X amount of months to get to. It's not everyday living kind of thing, you know? Oh yeah. I'd make that very clear if anyone like said to me, like, you know, about you know about how I was how looking like that it's like years of training and then obviously months of dieting and training manipulating the body to look like that that's not a realistic um a realistic way to look all the time you do it's not possible for a woman uh, or for people to look like that do you know what I mean it's it's you know it puts a lot of strain on the body stuff but most of my clients just you know generally want to like get fit tone up lose a bit of weight um, and I've had quite a few good, you know, success stories with that, which has been amazing. And it's like, yeah, absolutely love seeing the results. Yeah. And what do you love most about um, training your clients and what they get out of it? Um, just seeing them grow like every week and just seeing the confidence that comes with it. Like one of my clients, I've been blessed. I think her wedding's been postponed now, but she was getting married in September and her, you know when she started seeing her results and her husband saying to her like, oh my god like you know giving her compliments about her weight loss and she it just was she, she was just so motivated so motivated and I was so proud of her and then obviously this has happened yeah. um and I've offered her to do um zoom calls and stuff but I think at the minute she's lost a bit of motivation because her wedding's obviously been postponed and you know it's, it's understandable that some people sort of have lost their motivation because they're not in a gym environment and that but yeah definitely confidence that comes with with you know with people see that confidence shining through and it's an amazing makes me feel very good yeah good yeah um and do you have any tips during lockdown for people that want to stay active don't have any equipment at home um what would be your top two tips for them um, I would say definitely get out, get your steps in while, you know, because we can um, definitely do your walk or cycle, something like that. Um, and there's so much stuff you can do body weight, so much. So you can do a whole body workout just using, you know, your, just your body weight. Um, so just, I always say to me, it doesn't matter what you're doing, as long as you're moving and doing something, mm. you're just stand, you know, doing a bit of gardening, just bending down, lifting up pots and planting things, you're moving, you're sort of, you know, you're burning calories. Um, yeah just keep just keep moving you know even if it's a walk whatever um and I think it's really good for the mind as well I'm going to go out for a walk after this go along the seafront and um yeah just get, get some steps in today for me it just it does especially when the sun's out it's you know it's just um it's it's made, a bit more positive. made a massive difference here as um as I was talking about earlier we've just done three weeks of 24 no, 7 no. um and you're not allowed out you're only allowed out twice a week for food with a permit and prior to that so five weeks we've had basically where you're not allowed to exercise outside you can only leave your home for food and um 
we that got lifted yesterday. We're still on a curfew overnight. Yeah. Way that's been lifted and now we are allowed to go out for one to two hours exercise a day or a walk it doesn't have to be like you know a sprint yeah. or whatever just go yeah. walk and I have to say after five weeks it makes such a difference for your head yeah. I mean totally. totally and being in the natural daylight and all the rest of it like yeah I, I mean it must have been so hard for you guys yeah, it's you. You underestimate just how um, how much it does affect you, actually. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So I think a lot of people were super grateful to be out yesterday yeah. <laughs> for a walk. Yeah. I bet everyone's just like smiling behind their masks. Behind their mask. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. we not unfortunately, but you know, you can only leave your home here if you have mask and gloves on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there were a lot of smiles behind those masks yesterday. Yeah. I yeah. And that's the thing, you know, I've, I've had a few friends that are very, finding it very difficult, this whole lockdown and being very negative and all the messages are quite negative. And I'm just like, just go out and go have a walk, like do something and just sit in the house. Like, yeah, you know I mean, just try and do something to promote a bit of positive energy back into yourself, yeah. even if it is just something like that. But, so, you know, some people maybe don't sort of see it in the same way as I do, maybe so important like my uh, mind shift has definitely shifted over the last few years um my motivation for wanting to move my body um I've you moved, look amazing doing it like, as well like I moved away from I want to just have a body of this size and shape to what's actually motivate like am I motivating myself out of shame am I shaming myself into moving because that in itself although on the outside you're looking good if you're motivating yourself through shaming yourself for being overweight then it's yeah like looking on the outside but it's a bit ugly on the inside yeah so I, like for me I've been working really hard to move away from that and to say and to move with love rather yeah, than detest and this yeah. self-loathing and all of that that goes into it oh I can't look at that so I better go and exercise or I exercise so I can eat that this bargaining stuff yeah it's had to be something that I've literally and it's something I still battle with pops into my head and I'm like I'm like mm, I'm doing that bargaining thing again no that is not the right motivator it's not a healthy wholesome motivator to move now I'm not saying yeah don't move, sit on the sofa, eat pizza all day, every day. Not that, but try and shift your motivator from shame to love. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. It takes work because then you have to sit there and think, well, why, why was I shaming myself into moving? Cause I like, why am I shaming myself? Like, Oh, well, that you're not good enough. So you must do that yeah you are good enough to move and you are good enough to be fed well yeah than you're not good enough so you should move and you're not good enough so you can eat just lettuce or whatever right like yeah stuff that sometimes goes through people's minds and people say out loud it's powerful yeah yeah definitely Mm. yeah no that just definitely makes a lot of sense with it yeah so shifting that is just i think really important um for sustainable kind of healthy lifestyle yeah yeah that's the thing so it's all about you know having a healthy body and stuff it's about having a healthy mind as well isn't it yeah so thank you very much for today oh you're so welcome em
And um, it's been lovely getting to know a little bit more about you and hearing about this last few weeks through this uh, crazy time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so thank you very much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening and I look forward to introducing you to my guest in my next episode.